0: At the beginning of the 20th century, Mexico was going through political turmoil and civil war, causing Americans that lived along the relatively new border to fear for their safety. In 1916, one of the leaders of the Mexican Rebellion, a man by the name of Pancho Villa, would strike across the border and draw the United States military into his country. What followed was a whole lot of violence and political posturing that brought about the real possibility of war between America and Mexico. And threatened to keep America out of World War One, so it's time once more to grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Hunterproof History titled "The Punitive Expedition: Dress Rehearsal for War." This is Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax. And enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg.
1: Okay, welcome in. Uh, Again, the punitive expedition, dress rehearsal for war. I actually had a dress rehearsal this past week for a a local community theater showing of cats.
0: No kidding. I wasn't aware of that. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Good for you, uh most of the guys had to you know because it's tight spandex, mm-hmm. kind of tape it down, tape it back, oh yeah, thankfully, I was not inconvenienced in that manner <laughs> <laughs> They just had to put a little makeup remover pad just over it, you know'cause it sticks straight out like a <laughs> like the top of an acorn, so other than that, man, yeah, dress rehearsal just reminded me of that,
0: um, hey everyone. I'm Greg. Yeah, I'm Chris, and welcome to the show. And uh, do you want to go ahead and plug the performance of Cats where people can see you uh, and all that? Or... No. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. It's still fair
1: early n- in production, so.
0: no oh, fair enough. Welcome in, all you listeners, to another award-winning episode of 100 Proof History. Hasn't been released yet, but it's won awards. Well, I, you know, I've nominated it for several awards already. We'll just... See how that goes. I've been asked several times by the Oscar committee to shut the fuck up, but we'll we'll just play it by ear this time. Hmm. Okay. It's a numbers game. That's right. Just got to keep putting them out there. Chris, what is our source today? Today, our source is War on the Border by Jeff Ginn. This is one of several shows we've done on Jeff Ginn books. You know, it's not on purpose. I, I just search for things and it always comes up. You search best book on X and his books come up. And this is just like the other ones where you get this Jeff Ginn book and it's like 7,000 pages long, but 80% of it is sources because this dude does his fucking homework. And that's why you can always trust him. It's always a good book. Highly recommend.
1: Yeah, and if you don't like reading, be sure to check out Audible. It is free to try. Go to 100proofhistory.com slash Audible. It helps the show out a lot. And it's free. You get 30 days, get to download a book, listen to that shit on your drive. I know that's directly competing with us, but I don't care. I do it a lot on my commutes. You can sign up, get the book, immediately cancel. It's it's that easy, and you get to keep the book. Still keep the book. So you can listen to a 40-hour fucking book just for signing up, downloading it, boom, canceling.
0: Yeah, you say it's in direct competition with us. Uh, but in the spirit of full disclosure, uh, you've probably listened to far more books than you have episodes of 100 Proof History, main host Gregory. Oh, <laughs> I've listened to like two
1: episodes of this show. <laughs> I do it, man. Do I record myself all two times a year I have sex and then watch that? No. Right. Exactly. Who wants to see such a pitiful performance? And that's exactly how I feel
0: about this show. It's like the old saying goes when you know how many pig balls go in the sausage, you don't want to eat the sausage.
1: Hmm. There's pig balls in
0: there? <laughs> Goodbye, vegetarian diet. <laughs> well, we have a lot to get to. You think we should just dive right in to this sordid tale of border troubles? I do.
1: Uh, right after I mentioned that we have a Patreon, it's $3 a month, and there's like a hundred plus things on there that you don't get access to here, and we still release stuff on there, so, just saying, but yes, go Chris.
0: Well, I'm sorry, I got excited because this is like the one time in history where there were like problems along the southern border of America, you know, bordering Mexico, like like the one time it became a political issue or divided a whole country, Uh, you know, so I really want to get into it. Then go. All right. The country of Mexico won its independence in 1821, but it wasn't until 1825, when they had a democratically elected president, that the United States finally sent an envoy, which is where our story begins. At that time, Mexico owned almost all of the territory that makes up the southwestern United States today. When the envoy arrived, the Mexican government thought it was so they could acknowledge the fledgling republic. But instead, they were sent by President John Quincy Adams to see if Mexico would be willing to sell most of their country to the United States. The Mexican government refused, but it was still a lot of territory to manage, so they decided to let Americans settle in the territory of Texas. Over the following decade, the Mexican government went through some upheaval. They eventually outlawed slavery, and President Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana decided to pull his military out of the territory leaving the settlers defenseless against the Native American raids. When he demanded that the Texians also disarm, they said, Now hold on here a second, partner. You want to take our slaves and our guns? I thought this was America. (laughs) Yeehaw! Shoot, shoot! Bang, bang!
1: And none of you better take exception with Texians. Because that's what they were called. That's right. Chris and I are Texans, but they were called Texians, so... Fuck off with your judgment.
0: (laughs) And please subscribe to the Patreon. (laughs) Well, what they were in wasn't America, but that kicked off the Texas Revolution, which you can also hear on our Patreon. But spoiler alert, uh, Texas won. Last time that fucking happened. Fucking Todd Herman. Can't coach a goddamn football game. Saves a life, I tell you what. What's that? Texas won. That's the last time Texas won. You know, like Texas Longhorns. Football. Oh. (laughs) No, I did not know that. Thank you for your sport in this trying time. Texas struggled as a country for almost 10 years before officially joining the United States. America believed that the Rio Grande River should be the border between the two countries, but Mexico thought it should be the Nueces River, 75 miles north. This led to the Mexican-American War, in which several future notable Civil War leaders got their first taste of war. The U.S. won and claimed a shitload of territory, including modern-day California, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, and Wyoming. The Texas border was established on the Rio Grande, which gave the U.S. a bit of territory in southwestern Texas, known as the Nueces Strip. And that was so shitty that William Tecumseh Sherman would later say, quote, We should go to war again to make them take it back, end quote. Yeah, that dude was insane. Yeah. He was. It kind of reminds me, um, as you're aware, Greg, I'm a, uh, well, I'm an ex con and I live in this boarding home with several other ex cons, but I'm the only one that has a Costco membership, you know? And so I, I go to the store, get all the toilet paper, get all the, you know, the cigs, the cheap whiskey, you know, the stuff us ex cons all like. Oh, yeah. And I bring it back. And just like Mexico, they offer to buy it and I say no. And just like America, they take it from me anyway. But then the guy's like, what is this, fucking Angel Soft? This is fucking two-ply? I don't want this shit. And he throws it back at me. And it's just, it's more insulting, I feel like, you know? I agree. Because you know it was single-ply
1: in the joint. Yeah. He's just trying to be Mr. Tough Guy. But this is advice I heard on The Wire. Mm -hmm. Even when you're in a halfway house, Mm -hmm. you got to go up to the biggest dude and just knock him the fuck out. You know? That's how
0: you get respect. Yeah. I I tried that. I tried that really hard. And you ever have dreams where you're fighting somebody and you're like throwing punches and they're having no effect? Even though the guy was actually the one dreaming? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You snuck up on him in his sleep? Yeah. 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 I actually sprained my wrist a little when I hit him. I don't even hit him in his face. I hit him in like his stomach and it's real soft, but man, it like, give me like carpal tunnel. And then ever since then, they've been picking on me. they are giving me like wedgies and stuff and noogies. And there's no, it's degrading when you're a kid, but when you're a 62 year old man and somebody's giving you a wedgie because you bought the wrong kind of peanut butter at Costco, it's just fucking, it's the worst. You just, you know, you just wish for death.
1: Yeah, man, that is unfortunate.
0: I forgot you're a 62 year old man on this show. <laughs> well, over the following couple of decades, things remain tense along the border with a couple of Americans even attacking northern Mexican states with militias and failed attempts to set up their own neutral buffer countries along the border. The Mexican government continued to be unstable, with the French installing a puppet dictator for a bit. You know, little googly eyes, lipstick mouth. Bonjour, motherfuckers! Oh, hand puppet. Yes. Yeah, yeah gotcha. hand
1: puppet governor. Yeah. Oh, good old hand bone makes an appearance. <laughs>
0: He'll never get old. I wish I had more to add to that. That's all I got was bonjour, (laughs) motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye, guys. I'll see you later. Thanks, Hambone.
1: Thanks for showing up. See you, Hambone. You're completely worn out. Go away forever. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a little joke from episode 58 for anybody wondering about Jeffrey Dahmer. So check it out. He's popped up here and there. I wish he would stop, you know.
0: (laughs) He's a fan favorite. The people can't get enough. He's insatiable. It was also during this time when the French had that public dictator that wealthy Americans bought up cheap Mexican land and used cheap labor to do things like build railroads and get even richer. But that all stopped in 1872 when Sebastian Lurdo was elected as president of Mexico and he decided to try and help the people he governed. Fucking! What a fucking libtard, am I right? Yeah, what? He wasn't trying to make his friends richer? Yeah, what's the point of being (laughs) president? Come on. Looking commie. Weird. Yeah. Marxist. Commie. Woke. Other adjective that means thing I don't like. Baby killer. Yeah, I got him. Baby killer. And pedo. Pedo. Groomer. He's a groomer. That's what he is. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, of course, this pissed off the red-blooded, freedom-loving Americans who threw a shitload of money into arming and supplying a rebellion led by a general named Porfirio Diaz. Over the following four years, Diaz ran raids from his home base in Brownsville, Texas. In 1876, Lerdo fled into exile, and in early 1877, Diaz took over as president of Mexico. Why did the concept of home base go away, like when you got older? Like, like you couldn't just go out and do something stupid, run back and touch, like... Your house and scream home base anymore It's bullshit That should be a legal right in the constitution
1: I think they realized it was Non-enforceable and a complete fallacy Oh uh, Fuck Damn you shot me down like immediately Abortion was a legal right and <laughs> Well
0: yeah.
1: I don't know if you've been watching the news Chris <laughs> But uh Yeah home base doesn't exist Oh no I haven't been watching the news Home base
0: does exist for a sperm and egg, though. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. That's good. Yeah. That's good to know. All right. Well, at least it exists somewhere. Even if uh, the
1: egg person did not want the sperm person, and the sperm person forced themselves on the egg person, even if it was the egg person's father, hmm. in a weird, weird scenario that is disgusting and deplorable. It, uh,
0: yeah, man. Sperm's got a home base, dog. Well, it sounds like you just said a lot of words to describe providence, but whatever, you know, like divine intervention, Mm. but you know, Mm. whatever. That's what it sounds like to me. I'm just saying.
1: Manifest destiny of the sperm.
0: (laughs) Don't laugh at that, you asshole. Sorry, I was talking to myself, trying to be a better person. Just trying to be a better person. The economy thrived under Diaz, but all he really did was make Americans and wealthy Mexicans even richer while things got really, really shitty for the working poor. They couldn't buy land, they had to work hard labor for 3 to $4 a month, and often lost their jobs as American manufacturing inventions made their positions redundant. Diaz was only supposed to serve one term as president, but when his term was up, he decided he really liked being in charge, So he gave up his seat for four years to a crony, and then in 1844, he took it back over and held power as a dictator for another, let me see, check my notes here, 27 years! Hmm. Call that pullin' the Putin. The old Vladimir Putin approach. Yep, that's what he took. He's like, I'm gonna do the same thing this guy's gonna do in 130 years, watch this shit. Now I'm gonna invade Ukraine and fail at it. (laughs) <laughs> i'm a fucking genius that guy's dying he's gonna nuke the
1: world we shall see my friend yeah hopefully uh, from the ashes of civilization one day the cave people will rise and they'll find on a the tiniest of thumb drives this podcast that's
0: <laughs> what i said say what if this is the human record that survives mm, i hope so
1: They'll be like, "God, we're fucking way better off now that, <laughs> that nuclear war is
0: over." <laughs> yeah. Jesus. We needed a we needed a coal to cull the herd <laughs> immediately go on a massive murder suicide streak, you know, just yeah. get rid of everything. We can't make, let this happen again. This cannot fucking happen again.
1: They're like, uh, "Thank God we we purged humanity of the sickness." One of them raises his hand, he's got googly eyes on it, and it's handbone
0: and he's like, oh,
1: I fucking agree, holy shit, All those guys were
0: assholes. It's like the start of every zombie movie, they think it have, they have it contained, and then the, hey, motherfuckers, oh, shit, I've been bit, <laughs> it's inside the building, <laughs> right in the dick.
1: <laughs> kill me, kill me. <laughs> the lipstick on the hand seems so supple. I didn't know there was teeth in there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't until 1910 that Diaz faced a real opponent named Francisco Madero in the election. And he just had that dude arrested, and he won the presidency in a totally legit election, in which he uh, won almost unanimously. Ah, the old Vladimir Putin approach. (laughs) (laughs) Smart guy, man. He's doing it again. Can't wait to see what he does next. Despite his defeat, Madero wasn't done. He fled to America, where he called the election results a bunch of horse hockey. Throughout Mexico, revolt began to spread. In the south, Emiliano Zapato began to lead peasants in raids against the government. And in the north, a dude named Pascual Orozco did the same with the help of a young, skilled fighter named Francisco Bavia, who called himself Pancho because he hated umbrellas. Two jokes about his name in one sentence. I nailed
1: it. love it (laughs) love it
0: i was gonna make a poncho's buffet joke but there's only like three of those left and they're all in texas there's like one in dallas and two in houston or something like that i actually googled to see if poncho's was a nationwide chain so i could make raise the flag jokes and shit but it's like nope i almost did i swear to god i almost (laughs)
1: did reading this outline and I was like, "There's no way that's nationwide." So I didn't even bother Google. So. <laughs> I think it's funny that exists like in Texas now. Maybe that's why there's only three of them left, <laughs> is because you raise the Mexican flag when you want certain like table service, right? And you know, there's a lot of build the wall sentiment here these days. <laughs> <It's> true. <yeah. laughs> Maybe that's why they're fledgling <laughs> as a as a company.
0: Should be you replace it and raise the wall, you- Put up this little fucking fence. <laughs> and the waitress has to come over there and, like, climb over it just a little, get her leg over it, and be like, You guys want something? You need anything else from over here? You got any more of them tortillas? Okay, I'll be right back.
1: I asked you for them five minutes ago. Uh, I know you're
0: not sending your best, but... <laughs> you need to do better. What do you mean I gotta pay this bill? Somebody told me you guys were gonna pay for this. What the fuck?
1: Oh, an extra avocado. I didn't know that cost was going to be passed <laughs>
0: down to me. It's bullshit. This is Joe Biden's fault. I don't know how, but it fucking is. God damn it. <laughs> well, Orozco and Villa marched on the city of Juarez, which sits directly across the border from El Paso, Texas, and was also the port of entry for American weapons being sold to the Diaz government. The guy who lost the election, Francisco Madero, told Orozco and Villa to hold off while he negotiated with the Federales holding the city. But they said, uh, oh, uh, what's that? Sorry, couldn't hear you over the sound of us kicking everyone's ass. End quote in Spanish. Villa and Orozco took Juarez, which made Diaz realize his time as dictator was over. He hopped on a German boat and fled to Europe. That fall, Madero was elected president. He was kind of doing the reverse Nazi. That's what we like to call that. Oh, you know, oh, my regime's over, time to flee. Well, you can't flee to, our, you know, to Central America, you flee to Europe. And like It's like an exchange program. Interesting. Even though they weren't Nazis at the time. And he didn't go start a colony of a bunch of, you know, Mexican twins like Mangala did when he fled. You know, if you think about it, the metaphor doesn't work. So just don't think about anything I've ever said or will say, please.
1: Just think about fleeing to uh, somewhere that might have been
0: bad at one point, <laughs> yes, that's it. not at this this point in the story, you know, nope, it's like thirty years later, but still, you know it's kind of the it makes sense, right? You can imagine <laughs> sometimes I just know too many things about history, and I you know it it all gets mixed up in my head. That's why when I have dementia Chris is later so smart. <laughs> Everybody applaud Chris. Let's go. Wolf dick. Do it. (laughs) No, this podcast is why when I have dementia later, it's going to be such a wild ride for my nurses. You know, just screaming about Diaz fleeing to Germany. We have to stop him before he helps the Nazis. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Mr. Chris, you can't do that here
1: at the nursing facility. Oh, it's not me, it's Hambone He has an insatiable appetite Mr. Christopher, stop masturbating I told you it's not me, look at the googly eyes Two employees just look at each other There's nothing there, what the fuck is he talking about? It was in your head the whole time, Chris
0: Native American guy who's also interred there Comes in there and brings a pillow, just puts it over my face Suffocates me in my sleep. Puts a tiny little pillow over my hand. Suffocates that. <laughs> <laughs> then he throws the water fountain through the window. And busts up. No, <laughs> well, you're not, Hambo. <laughs> yes, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Reference fifty year old movie. Kids are gonna love it. Good job. Thank you. Well, after Diaz fled to Europe, that fall Madero was elected president, and despite all the hope and change he had promised. Madero basically turned out to be Porfirio Diaz 2.0. He didn't change a damn thing. He even kept Diaz's advisors and government leaders. What was worse for Madero was that the government was broke AF and had to borrow money from wealthy Mexican landowners who loved every damn second of the Porfirio Diaz regime. Revolts sprung up again and rebels once again captured the city of Juarez. Well, NBD, thought Madero, He decided to send Pascual Orozco with some federales to capture the city again, just like he had done when he was in exile and Diaz was in power. But once he arrived, Orozco sided with the rebels and defected. So, Madero turned to Francisco Pancho Villa. After the first siege of Juarez, Villa had a massive falling out with Orozco, and he had retired to the civilian life to work as a butcher. But Villa had a huge temper, and he had murdered a state police officer and he basically had to accept Madero's offer and turn state's witness, you know. We've all been there, right? <laughs> Please don't tell my roommates that I snitched. Gotta move to
1: a little house in the Midwest. White picket fence. Mm-hmm. Nobody around you for like 15
0: miles. Guards. It's so obvious. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking obvious. You order spaghetti, you get egg noodles with ketchup. That's from Goodfellas, Greg. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> well, Francisco Pancho Bob Villa was a master at building support from the working poor, and also a master at rewiring turn-of-the-century houses. People didn't know that about him. I hope that people know who Bob Villa is. <laughs> it's not too obscure, is it? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> right now, there's a dude sitting in a garage full of craftsman tools, just fucking dying. He's loving that. <laughs> Rolling
1: around on the ground over his reciprocating saw and his battery-powered lathe.
0: <laughs> I bought this shit at Sears when that was still a store. Yeah! This is hilarious.
1: <laughs> Before they sold the brand to Lowe's. <laughs> and now he's cracking up even more because we know tool history. Oh, my God. Yeah. We are the most relatable podcast in the entire world.
0: You know, it just helps to know everything about everything. That's what we do for you, the listener. (laughs) Fucking geniuses. Please don't ask me about anything that happened after 1996. I don't fucking know, and I don't care. I checked out. That's not history. (laughs) 9-11, what? Never heard of her. Although,
1: you can check out our episodes (laughs) on 9-11.
0: Let me see here. 91 and 92. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, like I said, Villa was a master at building support from the working poor, and he soon recruited an army of thousands. But he was outgunned and undermanned, so he lost most of the battles that followed against Orozco. Still, he held them off long enough for Madero to send a general named, hey, I'm gonna hurt ya. Actually, it's just huerta, but uh, it looks like hurt ya. Like, hey guys, I'm gonna hurt ya. Hmm, That's a stretch. Thank you. He sent him with more federal troops to turn the tide. In the interim, Huerta pissed off Villa, prompting Villa to defect from the army. Huerta had him arrested and put him in front of a firing squad. Now, Bob Villa was known for being fearless, but he still groveled and cried and begged for his life. And his standard measurement screwdrivers. Oh, man, you gotta have those. Not a big metric guy. (laughs) He's an all-American, you (laughs) know what I mean? All-American. Imperial system or get the fuck out. That's what Bob yes. Villa used to tell me when he was drunk and taking advantage of me. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Villa's gonna
1: sue us. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably, I'm glad this is an LLC,
0: so we can just like, well, well, bankruptcy.
1: Like Michael <laughs> Scott. <laughs> yeah. He's declare bankruptcy.
0: He's probably senile in an old home, too. He's like listening to this podcast, and he's like, they said, I molested a boy. I go, okay, calm down, Mr. Via. calm down. <laughs> I use metric tools. What are they talking about?
1: His lawyer's like, no, no, we know you didn't do this. It was bad timing that you shaved your entire beard and left the mustache. That's all I will say. Before you give your sworn deposition, maybe just be
0: clean shaven.
1: Yeah, just get rid of the rest
0: of that. Just
1: get rid of the mustache.
0: Why do you shave it so it's thin? not a good look? Oil it down. It looks very strange, and your hair's all smooth and greased and it's just it's not a good look for you, Bob. I'm just gonna say you're wearing that button up and the top button is buttoned? <laughs> tucked into some pleated khakis? Yeah. What's Bob, with the fanny pack? What's in the fanny pack, Bob? Why do you have four hundred condoms? What who carries that, Bob? <laughs> What do you have a gold watch from the early 70s? Club? <laughs> I feel like we're describing Napoleon Dynamite's much <laughs> Yes, pretty much. Yeah. But he knows how to fix a house. You know, he knows how to make sure everything's level once he installs, you know, the, the joist, as it were. I don't know anything about houses. I'm Whatever the fuck that is. Words. <laughs> I still call my dad anytime I need to, like, Screw something in like, Is it? you say lefty Righty? He's like no you fucking idiot God it's lefty Lucy. You righty trying to <laughs> the screw back and forth <laughs> yeah. One of these ways has to tighten it I also call your dad about screwing <laughs> Well that's cause you're my stepdad And you gotta know things that He may have picked up in his 40 years of experience <laughs> Where the fuck was I? Oh yeah, they put Pancho Villa in front of a fucking firing squad and he's like bawling his eyes out even though he's supposed to be this really brave guy and our main source goes out of the way to point out like, there were several witnesses. Like, the kid that beat him up in middle school was there to laugh at his ass while he's bawling, you know, just, please don't kill me, please. You know, because you can't, he had that reputation of being super tough dude. And uh, he would deny it if there weren't hundreds of people watching and laughing.
1: I'm no different. I feel <laughs> yeah? like
0: I'm the bravest boy in the world. That's what my mom told me when I was <laughs> six. So what's your point? I don't know. There were no witnesses for what happened to you. So I'm sure you were brave the whole time. Took it like a man. <laughs> Talking about your Flintstone vitamins. You chewed them up, ate them. No, I swallowed them like straight up. I didn't chew them. hmm Little kids chew
1: Flintstone vitamins, Chris. I took them like they were a regular old pill. Yeah, like an adult does when they take their antidepressant pills and their their benzos for anti anxiety. Mm-hmm. I, I know a thing or two about that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I'm laughing at you because you have anxiety. <laughs> You're weak. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That that is true. <laughs> I cry myself to sleep later anyway. Uh... Bro
1: Samseys.
0: You wanna FaceTime while we do it? Talk about our feelings and stuff?
1: Let's do it old school. We just look at the same moon.
0: Oh and know that the other one is crying himself. Survival style, yeah, somewhere That's out right. there. <laughs> uh-huh. Well somehow President Madero found out the VO was in front of the firing squad and he had him thrown in prison instead of being executed. A few months later, Villa would escape and flee to El Paso, where the American media would turn him into a sensation.
1: A.K.A. fake news?
0: Yeah. I mean, mainstream, yeah. I only get my news from that one thing that says it's not mainstream, but has the highest viewership of any of them. Somehow, they're not mainstream, though. Okay, anyway. In the meantime, Huerta defeated the rebels in Juarez. Madero was super stoked until Huerta marched on Mexico City and overthrew the government. As the new president, Huerta promised to give Madero a safe exit out of the country, but wouldn't you know it, some jerk brutally murdered Madero as he was driving out of the city. Bad luck, man. Get uh, You know, you get your freedom, get to go live a nice quiet life, and then somebody just sh- shoots your car because they know the route it's taking. It's weird. Over in America, newly elected President Woodrow Wilson was watching with great interest. He didn't like words of taking over by straight up murdering his predecessor, and he wanted Mexico to be a democracy like the good old USA. The Americans chose to back a man named Venustiano Carranza, who wanted a constitution and called himself a constitutionalist, but he really wanted the rich to rule Mexico and have their wealth trickle down to the poor. That's an interesting concept. I'm surprised no one's ever thought of that. Like if if everybody up top gets rich, they're gonna make everybody under them rich. They're not gonna keep it for themselves. Like, why would you need all that money?
1: I bet that would work.
0: Yeah, probably, right?
1: I wish we would institute that in this country. But like maybe
0: about forty years ago. That way it would it'd be paying dividends today. Right. And it doesn't really have to work. It just has to convince people born in like the fifties and sixties that it works. And then magic happens and Everything's perfect. Oh, the people that grew up in the golden age because their fathers came back from the
1: war and they were able to have a household that they supported on their jobs, mm-hmm. whether they were blue collar or white collar, but if they were blue collar, they had a clear path to go to white collar with the GI bill, uh which was instituted after World War II along with a ton of social services that helped these people out so they could you know, get the white picket fence house mm-hmm. and support an entire family. Stay-at-home wife, which that was her prerogative. Mm. Just gonna you know, throw that out there, <laughs> but it was something that could happen. Somebody could stay at home. Not, somebody was the woman. Let's not whitewash it. <laughs> um, could stay at home and raise kids. They could survive off one income. Have a car. Like everything's nice These kids get brought up in American utopia They have the world handed to them on a plate Mm -hmm. And then they go on to just rape everything (laughs) They got theirs Fuck everyone after them (sighs) I wish I was one of those baby boomers, bro I do too God That was nice Way too (laughs)
0: late
1: Nice Mm. Yeah I I don't even know what got me started on that, but, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Uh...
0: (laughs) All right, well, we'll see if Greg recovered from that. Wolfdick, will you please wheel yourself over and check on him while I move on with our story? Here we go. Unfortunately, Carranza was a shit-tier military leader. He was a tall, fat dude who had no conception of battlefield strategy, and he got pissy when the enemy didn't act exactly as he expected them to. After a few failures, he was in dire need of help, and so he turned to Pancho Bavia, who decided it was time to stop hanging out in swimming pools, eating ice cream, and chumming it up with the U.S. press. Fucking why, man? Just milk that celebrity. I guess it's kind of like, yeah, you gotta do something, right? You gotta get back in the spotlight. Gotta have some controversy. You can't just be Avril Lavigne from the 2000s. You gotta come out and make new music so people realize you're still alive and don't come up with conspiracy theories that you died and were replaced by someone else. Is that a thing? That's what happened to Avril Lavigne. Oh, well, shit. May may she rest in peace. I had no idea. (laughs) Via returned to his home state of Chihuahua and recruited thousands upon thousands of tiny dogs to fight Huerta's federal force. No, that's stupid. He recruited thousands upon thousands of soldiers with tiny dogs to fight Huerta's federal force. (laughs) In little-known
1: fact, noted isolationist and lover of democracy Woodrow Wilson despised Huerta so much that in 1914, he proposed declaring war on Mexico and blockading their ports and providing military support to Carranza,
0: who immediately refused the offer. Woodrow Wilson was kind of a piece of shit. No. Come on. on. I'm the only one brave enough to say that, okay? (laughs) That's what this podcast is about, courage and going out on a limb. And you know what? Woodrow Wilson, not great. Okay, maybe, but not great.
1: You better lock your doors tonight. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Once this gets
0: out, backlash will be swift. I've already suspended my own Twitter account. Villa's División del Norte swelled to 30,000 soldiers, and they quickly pushed Huerta's forces, led by Villa's old ally, Pascual Orozco, completely out of the country. His quote-unquote battle plan was always the same, charge again and again, taking huge casualties, but eventually he'd wear down his enemies and force them to flee. In 1914, this was still a successful strategy, and one that led to the U.S. officially providing Mexican rebels with the arms to fight the Huerta government. But that wasn't enough for Woodrow Wilson. In 1914, a rowboat carrying American sailors from one of their ships to the port in Veracruz was fired upon. It was an accident, and the Mexican government immediately apologized, but that wasn't enough for the Wilson government. They wanted Mexico to honor the U.S. with a 21-gun salute. Mexico refused. To make things worse, the U.S. soon intercepted a ship they believed to be full of German weapons being sold to Huerta's government. It wasn't, but they didn't give a fart. And on April 21st, 1914, the U.S. invaded the port of Veracruz. After a short battle and 300 Mexican deaths, the U.S. took the port and would hold it for the following seven months. When I was researching this, man, I had no idea. This was fucking crazy to me that we invaded Mexico and it was never, like, brought up again. Like no one's ever been like, oh yeah, remember that time we took one of their ports and held it for a while because they wouldn't fire guns at us to say we like you. Well, there's been so much back and forth between
1: Texas, Mexico, U.S., Mexico that this is relatively
0: small in those terms. Hmm. Okay, well, fuck me, minimizing the story. Thanks, Greg. Go, Greg. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. That was a really interesting point, Chris. Oh, no, fuck you. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all of this was really shitty news for the Huerta government. Carranza was poised to take Mexico City and thereby take control of the government. His most successful general had been Pancho Villa, but he was too popular for Carranza's liking. So instead, he had General Alvaro Obregón take Mexico City, and he told Pancho Villa to go the fuck home. Get your... Fucking shine box. I watched Goodfellas on TNT last night. That's why I have so many Goodfellas references today. Okay, gotcha. Now, Pancho Villa had a massive fucking ego. And who wouldn't, after restoring all those old houses? (laughs) So naturally, not being a part of Carranza's presidential victory parade pissed him right the fuck off. Since he was the hero of the downtrodden, and Carranza loved the elite, including the invading Americans, Pancho Villa pretty much immediately decided to go to war with the Carranza government. These guys, they just can't get along, man. They're always fucking fighting each other. It's very confusing whose side they're on. It's like, when you give me notes for the show, I feel like you fucking hate me. And then, like, hey, let's record. Hey, I love you. Do really good today. And you know, then I get those death threats in the mail that are all cut out of magazines. And I know that's from you, you fucking asshole. That's not from me. No? You don't have
1: any proof. That's for me.
0: (laughs) I mean, they're covered in your semen. I've had them tested. Whatever. You don't know how that came out of my balls. (laughs) I could have been asleep and an alien
1: pulled them out of my balls. That's true. Have you heard how many people get butt-probed by aliens? (laughs) So many. Dude, plausible? Come on. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. That was unfair of me. I'm sorry. Will not be accused of this. (laughs) Like when my parents made me go to conversion camp when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm not putting up with it anymore. (laughs) Just putting on your twisted sister. We're not going to take it. Doing your makeup. Dancing in the mirror. Seeing your hairbrush. Like, you know what? I'm not going to take it. And you start crying. Your mascara runs a little. Been there. I know how you feel. Okay. Thank you. I'm sorry. Unfortunately for Villa, by the time he decided to go to war with Carranza, World War I had broken out in Europe. America was neutral, and Germany was going to do everything they could to keep it that way. They saw their best hope as keeping Mexico as unstable as possible, and so they sent advisors to train Carranza's federal government. Over the course of two lopsided battles, Villa found out that his keep charging at them and dying until they get tired strategy didn't work against trenches barbed wire, and machine guns. His army of thousands was quickly cut down to a few hundred rebels who had to flee to the hills of northern Mexico. Things got even worse for Pancho when Woodrow Wilson decided to officially recognize the Carranza government as legitimate in late 1915. Those two governments being all chummy meant bad things for the poor people via claim to represent. Even though at this time he was basically kidnapping villagers and forcing them to serve in his army under the threat of death. Now, while all of this was going on, even smaller rebel groups were running raids across the US border, and Americans were killing Mexican immigrants at an astoundingly high rate with no justification other than, quote, they looked kind of brown, end quote. Not a real quote, but that's how they. That was their opinion. That was the opinion at the time, not my opinion. Don't sue me. Please. Don't cancel me. Basically their opinion.
1: Basically. That came from your brain.
0: No. <laughs> Damn it. Yes, it did.
1: You made no, it up. I, I didn't... know.
0: Oh, I rest my case. Pancho Villa knew that if he wanted to overthrow Carranza, he was going to have to unite the Mexican people against a common enemy, the United States. And he was going to have to use that to create a new government. At that moment, he swore to never attack his own people again, and would instead use all of his energy fighting the Americans. The only way to do that would be to do something that would lead to a U.S. invasion of Mexico. And Pancho knew exactly what he was going to have to do to make that happen. Bam, bam, bam! And Greg's going to tell you all about it as soon as he finishes the second half of the audible. All right, see you guys in six hours. <laughs> all right. back from break hope you guys enjoyed it i know we did greg is all caught up ready to tell you the second half of this story champing at the fucking bit dude i can't wait <laughs> this guy it's chomping at the bit <laughs> oh it's not i'm just being pretentious d-bag for laughs and i hope it worked i hope everybody's fucking dying right now oh dude, they wrecked their cars <laughs>
1: They're now either burn victims, a la Paul Walker, Mm -hmm. or they're outside of their cars just rolling on the highway, laughing so hard. (laughs) Broken noses from the airbags, but still,
0: despite it all, laughing. Yeah. Well, Greg has to tell you the second half of this story, and for new listeners, we like to do something here where we've had a lot of whiskey, we've had a lot of booze, let's calm it down and have a second half seltzer. Second half salsa! Second half salsa! Second half salsa! All right, three, two, one. Ooh, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to sit back and relax here for a little bit while Greg, you ready to tell these people what else happens on the border of the U.S. and Mexico? Oh, dude. Champing at the bit. No, god damn it. Jam that the fucking <laughs> bit, bitch. No, I, I am. Are you ready, Christopher? I don't think so, but you know what? It looks like you're going to bring it anyway, so I'm just going to lie back oh, and take it. Oh,
1: it's coming.
0: It's coming. Here it Just
1: <laughs> get fucking crazy! All right, well. President Vestuciano Carranza believed he was victorious, and Pancho Bob Villa and his Vallistas, who had gone into hiding after a series of defeats, were no longer a threat. And so, in December of 1915, Carranza sent General Alvaro Obregón to a banquet in his honor in the city
0: of El Paso, Texas. Don't know if you've ever heard of it's a It's a small place, to be fair. That's where I get all of my authentic taco kits from. Oh, old <laughs> El Paso. <laughs> yeah. I go south of the border to Juarez.
1: It's just right on the other side. And that's where I get my authentic Viagra and Cialis. (laughs) I like to do um, each of those. Like I do them both at the same time. Shot of vodka. Whew. Ready for the mule show,
0: baby. (laughs) And you take a picture of the label and put it into Google Translate and it says not for human consumption. But you're like, oh, that's, that's just a Mexico thing, right?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, legalese, so to
0: speak. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> to be fair, the, the mule's penis says the same thing, but...
0: <laughs> it's tattooed it is on consumed <laughs> by, by a human. I don't speak Spanish. I don't know what
1: that says. <laughs> it was here that he told a crowd of cheering American businessmen that it was once more safe to seek their fortune in northern Mexico. Little did they know, also present in the crowd, were Pancho Villa's spies who learned that American managers and engineers plan to return and reopen a silver mine just south of Santa Isabel, Mexico, which just so happened to be a scant few hundred miles from Pancho Villa's hidey hole. Not familiar with that term, are you, Chris? Hidey hole? No, I'm not. Yes, you are. (laughs) You fucking prison
0: bitch. You know exactly what a hidey hole is. You know what's weird is every night my cellmate would tell me he was putting the plans for our escape up there. And we never even attempted it. Like, it wasn't even... Like, you never brought it up. Like, outside... Just shoving and shoving. And- yeah, yeah.
1: Sick fuck.
0: And then I started getting all these sores on my mouth. And that was weird. Probably from the prison food, which wasn't very nutritious, I'll admit. You know, it was kind of like this gruel. And it had, like, maggots and worms in them. But my pet bird liked it until he flew away. You know, and I kept hoping he'd come back to me after I got out, and I got that job bagging groceries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he never, he never came back, even though I fed all those birds in the park. And then, but you yeah. had all that
1: arthritis in your hands, and mm-hmm. your manager would get mad because you'd yeah. have to go to the bathroom, and he'd tell you, "You don't have to ask me every time you got to go take a piss."
0: And have I told you this story? And you hung
1: yourself. Yeah, yeah I, I think you- I saw it in a movie called <laughs> The Shawshank Redemption, and your
0: name was Brooks. But yeah, you basically told it to me. Oh. Goddamn early-onset dementia, I thought that happened to me. I'm sorry. Uh, Continue your story. Okay, thank you. (laughs) On January 8th, 1916, unsuspecting
1: Americans boarded a train in El Paso and headed west. When they were about six miles outside of the town of Santa Isabel, the train was derailed. Suddenly, riflemen opened fire on the passengers. The men then boarded the train and robbed everyone. The Americans were taken outside, lined up, and stripped naked. Oh, yes, sir. Despite orders to not kill a single one of them, of the 19 that were aboard the train, 18 were shot and executed. The only survivor managed to run away and hide in the bushes. That night, riots erupted in El Paso when Americans attacked the Mexican district of the city. Across the border, Pancho Bob Villa waited patiently for the Americans to attack, but it didn't happen. Instead, Brigadier General John J. Pershing, who was a tank, basically.
0: Goddamn American hero is what he is.
1: He was a literal tank <laughs> with tracks and everything. Uh, but Pershing, the commander of nearby Fort Bliss, had his troops quell the
0: riots and put the city under a curfew. We've had two tanks in the story because Sherman was in it earlier. That's a weird little note. Ooh, that is a weird little note. That reminds me of my uncle. We, yeah, We all do a, like a big family
1: Christmas, you know, extended family and everything. And we all have stockings that hang on the mantle for each one of us. And, you know, quote unquote, Santa gives us like candy, clementine oranges, shit like that. But one time got a note from my uncle that was like, hey, I see that you're maturing. You know, I was a young, young man, becoming young man. And uh, he's like, you have a nice
0: perky butt. Well, that's very nice I thought that was a weird note I don't know you gotta, you gotta learn To take a compliment man It's hard for us dudes To take compliments I get it You know You gotta be yeah. You gotta be able To accept those things That's true
1: It was definitely A learning experience I actually had to learn How to take a lot of
0: things From my <laughs> uncle So <laughs> Woo Straw into gold Straw into gold Old oh, Rumpelstiltskin <laughs>
1: So, like I was saying, Brigadier General John J. Pershing was commander of nearby Fort Bliss, and he had his troops quell the riots, put the city under curfew. It was widely known that Pancho Villa had not been at the massacre at Santa Isabel, but he had orchestrated it. Still, the U.S. was willing to let the Mexican government do something about it. That's when Pancho Villa literally said, Quote, well, if these dumb bitches won't do anything when I smoke their homies on my turf, then I'll pop a cap in their ass on theirs, End quote. <laughs> you... Why not? Okay. Mexican accent. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. His target was Columbus, New Mexico, which sat just across the border from Palomas, Old Mexico. He and 400-plus followers, who were mainly forcefully conscripted soldiers, moved across the dry, dusty desert of northern Chihuahua toward the city. A small military base known as Camp Furlong sat on the edge of Columbus. It was full of drunk, bored soldiers and was led by Colonel Herbert J. Slocum, which, by the way, you don't know this, Chris, but that was actually my grandfather's nickname. Slocum. <laughs> he was known for his sloth-like speed in the bedroom. Famous, actually. Yeah. I think that's probably who I uh, inherited my sexual prowess and ability from.
0: Was he one of those natives from the Magellan story that had the bolt through his penis so he had to have sex all day because he could barely move? No, he's just an old, frail, white guy. (laughs) Like, even when he was 15, he was an old, frail, white guy. (laughs) Your poor grandma, just sitting there, you know. Because it's so long ago, she didn't even have movies or TV or Netflix. You know, she couldn't play Candy Crush on her phone. She just had to sit there and stare at the ceiling, and like come up with limericks while he was doing that all day to her. Yeah, this is a different generation. I mean, he would—he—he he told me the importance of the uh,
1: of the slow stroke. Yeah, the slow short stroke. <laughs> and my grandma would always roll her eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. When you're with somebody that's bragging, you kind of have to, otherwise you also look like the bragger. Right, right. So, but I I knew she was fucking part of the team. She was in on the game. I know she loved it. (laughs) Good old Grandpa
0: (laughs) Cum. Did you ever find the hot water douche bottle in your grandma's shower? Is this real talk? No, me, just me. Yeah, okay, just me, okay. (laughs) No, it was actually an, an
1: old container of whipped cream. <laughs> Gross. That she kept in the freezer. Like full of green beans or peas or whatever for yeah. some reason. Yeah. Ugh, that was the worst. Go over to my grandma's house as a oh, kid. Oh,
0: yeah. You think it's cool whipped? Looking for sweets. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, cool whip. And there's like mashed peas or something in there. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. Been there since fucking Thanksgiving. Ugh. Because they all grew up in the fucking depression. You fucking bitch, Grandma. Why why are you keeping this? Why are you keeping this? That passed away like two weeks ago. You bitch!
1: (laughs) Still really upset by this. (laughs) Well, in early March of 1916, American spies began to warn Slocum. (laughs) that Pancho Villa was marching his way with about 300 soldiers. Slocum had heard rumors Villa was coming to turn himself in and plead his innocence for the Santa Isabel massacre and refused to believe any of it. General Pershing received similar intelligence, but his spies told him Villa was coming to fuck shit up. Slocum received more warnings on March 8th and told his subordinates to, quote, stop spreading rumors. That evening, he got yet another call from a U.S. government official who said, quote, Very real quote. Mm -hmm. Nah, bro. Via is, he's almost there and he's going to kill Americans. End quote. Serious quote. And then he's going to fix your porch. Which is how (laughs) Bob Via says he's going to kick your ass. Back when he had a job. Craftsman. (laughs) Before they got sold to Lowe's. Yep. And Bob Via, he's reached the ultimate of Lowe's. We'll put it that way. Uh. (laughs) Slocum ignored him and went to a party at a nearby ranch and instead left First Lieutenant James Castleman as the only officer on base and, by default, the man in charge of its defense. Shortly after 4 a.m. on March 9th, Pancho Villa ordered his men to attack the town. They split into two columns. One raced into the business district where they began to burn buildings and killed every man they came across. Things went great, and they were unopposed for about 30 minutes, until they came under heavy machine gun fire that seemed to be coming from Camp Furlong. Turns out, the second column had been sent to capture the base, but things hadn't gone so great for them. As they were entering the city, they passed by the home of Lieutenant John Lucas, who then ran barefoot through thorns and scrub brush towards the camp armory. He got there just before the Vistas and unlocked the machine gun cabinet. He and a couple of troops dragged them outside and found that the Vistas in the business district were perfectly illuminated by the fires they had set and were perfect targets for some hot, mm, American
0: machine gun action, baby. Mmm, reminds me of Megan Fox, who said she cut a hole in her blue pantsuit so Machine Gun Kelly could get some Machine Gun action, if you know what I mean. I can't believe you just
1: evoked Machine Gun Kelly.
0: <laughs> on this podcast. On my fucking podcast. <laughs> what a weird fucking couple they are. Drink each other's blood. Have sex all the time. Oh, sex all the time? Yuck. Who has the energy, right? <laughs> Male-female relationships are for procreating, right? Yes So the women can make babies That's what they're there for That's what they exist for This is 2022 America And that's what we believe now But also, uh, boys are for fun Women
1: are for babies, right? (laughs) Just saying That's what my uncle always taught me when I was growing up So (laughs) Well, it was an otherwise pitch-black night, which made it harder for the Villistas to stay organized as they attacked the camp. This allowed Lieutenant Castleman to lead a force of 25 soldiers in an organized counterattack. The fight raged for about an hour, and the U.S. soldiers were outnumbered 2 to 1, but they held their ground until dawn when Villa's forces began to retreat back into Mexico. The U.S. soldiers chased them about 10 miles into old Mexico, before returning to Columbus, New Mexico. The Villistas lost 67 men who were thrown into a pile with the dead horses, drenched in kerosene, and set on fire. The next morning, U.S. Secretary of the War Department, Newton Baker, who was literally on his first day on the job, got word of what happened and began coming up with a plan for U.S. troops to go into Mexico to wipe out the Villistas for realsies. Woodrow Wilson fucking loved the idea and asked President Carranza if that was cool. Carranza hated the idea. Not only would it rob him of the glory of taking out Via himself, it would also further solidify Via claims that Carranza was America's bitch.
0: Yeah, he replied, quote, "Not cool." over text. Well, yeah, cuz you had to, back then you had to pay per text, It's like 10 cents a text. Hmm. So you you can't go overboard with, you know, details and stuff. Just not it's cool, That's a bro. very good point. Yeah, yeah.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Carranza said, Hey, let us take care of Villa. You can keep troops on the border, and if he attacks another U.S. city, you guys can invade my sovereign nation. Cool. end quote. But Woodrow Wilson was facing an election year, and he couldn't look weak, so he responded with a very matter-of-fact, Nah, dude. That ain't cool, bruh. The U.S. Army, under the command of General John Pershing, was going into Mexico whether they liked it or not, and thus began what became known as the Punitive Expedition.
0: What a badass name for a operation. We get some weak-ass names, but Punitive Expedition. Yeah, gonna go fuck some shit up. Mmm. <clears throat> America. Woo! Proud.
1: Punisher school with the thin blue line going down it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Because if there's anything that Punisher stood for, it was law and order. Due process. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Punisher loved cops. Yeah. Absolutely loved Big them. fan Absolutely. of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Huge system guy, yes. if you will.
0: Hey, let's arrest him and see what happens in the courts. That was the Punisher's yeah.
1: whole MO, you know? He loved status quo when it came to, (laughs) you know, how we deal with criminals.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Well, the expedition, which was made up of 4,800 troops, 4,000 animals, all 100 trucks that the U.S. Army owned, which were GMC trucks, by the way, Mm. and eight airplanes crossed the border into Mexico on March 14th.
0: I was going to ask if you were paid by GMC to put that in there, but these trucks were kind of pieces of shit and broke down all the time and could barely move through the desert, so...
1: They were legit GMC. Yeah, you were. If
0: I was paid, I'd talk about how they
1: ate Subway sandwiches. <laughs> while they Which, were listening uh, to audible.com. Roll it, Wolf Dick. This segment brought to you by Subway, where you can get a tasty cold-cut combo and jack off in the bathroom while you have a loaded gun in your mouth fighting back tears. Oh, And don't forget to get it toasted. (laughs) All right. Um, Pershing, he ordered a pursuit of Villa, but was frustrated by the poor people of Mexico who didn't take kindly to being invaded and constantly lied to the Americans about Villa's whereabouts. The eight planes the U.S. brought, the OG planes, I mean, what do you expect? They turned out to be completely useless.
0: and either crashed or broke down within a couple of weeks yes greg and little known fact one of the units that took part in the punitive expedition was the 10th cavalry unit better known as the buffalo soldiers inspiration for the famous bob marley song this unit was made up exclusively of black soldiers and had been a part of the army since the civil war john pershing proudly led them for a time and because of that he earned the nickname black jack Although a whole lot of racists from that era like to switch out the word black for something far, far more offensive. That's not cool. No. No, it definitely wasn't. And all those guys are dead and they're burning in hell right now, so suck it, racists. That's good.
1: That is good.
0: At this point, Pancho Villa was broke, low on ammo,
1: and he needed a boost in morale for his struggling troops. So... Even though he had promised just months earlier to never attack his own countrymen, <laughs> wouldn't you know, he ordered his Villistas to attack a federal garrison in Gayedo. He led the charge on his own and drove the Federalists out of the garrison, and the Villistas captured the entire town, but not without serious cost. Turns out that if you force people to serve in your army, don't pay them, don't feed them, march them across deserts, suffer defeats, and then force them to attack their own people? <laughs> Your own
0: soldiers might not turn out to be super loyal. I don't believe that. I've taken several leadership seminars, and they all say you should just treat everybody like shit. You know, just threaten to kill them at all times, and they will work very hard for you. So, like, this is... Just... Yeah, but you did that at fat camp, so... <laughs> it doesn't really count. Trust me. It really wasn't a leadership seminar so much as a gang recruitment in prison that I went through, but I feel like it applies to modern life, you know, once you get on the outside.
1: Sounds like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That that meshes perfectly with the world we live in. It does. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) While as was charging Ghetto, one of his own men fired at him, hitting him in the leg and shattering his shinbone. Via screamed in pain and had to be led away on an agonizing and bumpy wagon ride to safety. <laughs> Bitch. Oh, I don't have a shinbone anymore. Oh, I'm gonna cry about it. <laughs> Baby. As somebody that's had shin splints before, dude, they're bad, but they're not this bad. Like,
0: <laughs> grow up, right? Grow a pair. You and know what I'm you're saying? You're a leader of men for Christ's sake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Really showing your ass here. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> I just got a hundred angry emails, but they're all in Spanish, and I'm only on Lesson 2 of Duolingo, so I don't know what they say. But uh they, they're all in caps, so I figure they're very upset with the, what Greg just said.
1: Yeah, well, thanks to Duolingo, they're not going to be able to ask for Pan E Aqua. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it teaches you that shit over and over <laughs> to ask for bread and water <laughs> yeah, all like, day. Dude, I'm not fucking trying to like survivalist trip in a country. I don't know. Yeah. I want to know how to speak this fucking
0: language. It's like the, the idea is, oh, you've been arrested in a foreign country. How to ask for sustenance from your prison guard. <laughs> yeah. German
1: one. Just talk about Brot and, and, uh, Wasser. God damn it. Why
0: is everything bread and water? They expect me to be a gypsy that's just begging <laughs> on the streets? Fuck. See, when I did the German one, he just started shouting Juden over and over again, and he got real angry-looking, so I don't know what that was all about. I don't know if that was Duolingo. Please don't sue us Duolingo.
1: <laughs> the Villistas stayed in Goyero to celebrate, believing they were safe from the advancing Americans. But it turns out the General George Dodd had led his 7th Cavalry across the snowy Sierra Madre Mountains and had caught up to him. The U.S. soldiers charged into Guero. Initially, the Villistas held their own, but the Americans soon overwhelmed them with superior firepower, and they took the city. In the process, 30 Villistas were killed, and only five Americans were wounded. Man, a battle with a foreign country, Mm -hmm. and only five Americans were wounded.
0: Just wounded, baby.
1: There were more than that killed at the peaceful protest on
0: January 6th, (laughs) 2021. The uh, rational political discourse that took place that day? Yes, yeah. Peaceful
1: protest. (laughs) Not at all an attempted coup. Nope. But a battle with a foreign country had less people that died. As Pancho Villa went into hiding to recover... The U.S. continued chasing Villistas and scored minor victories as the small bands of rebels retreated further into Mexico. Meanwhile, the people of Mexico became more and more angry that the Americans were there. On April 11th, Americans stopped in the city of Paral to rest. That night, a force of 500 combined federal soldiers and citizens armed themselves and marched into the city shouting, Viva Villa and Via Mexico! They soon opened fire on the Americans who fled the city. Only three U.S. cavalrymen were killed, and six were wounded, but the message was clear. It was still less than the January 6 riots. I mean, <laughs> the soldiers weren't
0: the conquering heroes they thought they were. It was actually a funny moment in this, where the commander of the U.S. forces, when he sees all these people marching and shouting that, he goes out on the balcony and shouts, Viva VIA! And everybody laughs, and then they start fucking shooting at him. It's like, "Uh, I'm with you guys. (laughs) I'm with you. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Let's get out of here, fellas. It's like when you're a kid and you start agreeing with your bully. And he's like, yeah, man, I I am a piece of shit. (laughs) I'm a little nerd. (laughs) And he keeps punching you because you thought that would help. It It never helps. (laughs) Never cuck yourself, kids.
1: You know, until you get older and you realize you're kind of into
0: it. Yeah, it does something for you. If it does something for you, yeah, go for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. President Carranza and General Obregón began moving federal troops to surround the Americans on three sides. Carranza also began secretly funding raids across the southern Texas border in hopes that it would force the Americans to withdraw from Mexico and defend their own citizens. Meanwhile, the Americans kept running their own raid on the Villistas, including one led by a young lieutenant, who went by a certain name, of, uh, General... I mean, <laughs> Lieutenant George S. Patton, who claimed to have personally gunned down two of VIA's men and then drove them back to the U.S. camp, get this, tied to the hood of his staff car like dead deer. If that doesn't sound like some fucking Patton shit, <laughs> I don't know what does. This dude's always been crazy, always was crazy until he died. Save for the Patton show, Greg. Well,
0: uh-huh. I mean... That, that's a fucking teaser, then. Get you excited for fucking wild-ass George S. Patton. Dude was nuts. <laughs> you thought
1: Tecumseh Sherman was nuts? Oh, my God. This guy's psychotic. <laughs> Things came to a head in June of 1916 when President Carranza gave orders to his troops, which had the U.S. surrounded, not to allow the Americans to pass. Pershing said, quote, and Quote, <laughs> and ordered the 10th Cavalry on a scouting mission to the east through the city of Cotazol, but told the leader of the expedition, Charles T. Boyd, not to get into a fight with the federal troops. Upon the arrival of U.S. forces, the Mexican Federale sent out an envoy to tell the Americans to turn back. Old Charles T. Bone Boyd said, suck my balls, <laughs> and he ordered his men to go into the city. When they were about 200 yards away, the Mexican forces opened fire from an elevated position behind a stone wall. Don't say Jackson. Don't say Jackson. Don't say Jackson. <laughs> Good old T-Bone, he uh he ordered a charge anyway. In what we like to call the Robert E. Lee Special, 20 U.S. soldiers were killed, including Boyd. Thank goodness. Because <laughs> he's kind of a dummy. Uh, All, all that before... An actual retreat was ordered. A great deal of this conflict was orchestrated by the government of Germany, who desperately wanted to keep the U.S. out of the war in Europe. Remember, this is World War I. Mm -hmm. They know where U.S. allegiances lie. They know the possible industrial implications of the U.S. involvement in that war. They're fighting a lot of countries that are in the Entente forces. They sent money and weapons to Carranza, while simultaneously spreading pro-VIA propaganda, and would later offer to provide VIA with guns and money as well. They must have been all sorts of giddy following the skirmish at Cartazole, but unfortunately for them, General Pershing said T-Bone Boyd, old Mr. Captain himself, he'd been a moron, and managed to convince the Woodrow Wilson administration not to declare full-blown war on Mexico.
0: Huge point in history right here. It doesn't seem like it is, but it's a huge fucking point because if U.S. goes to war with Mexico right here, probably not able to enter World War I. Things happen different in Europe. This is a gigantic moment and it's just Pershing having the cooler head and saying this guy was a fucking idiot. He never should have did what he did. Yeah, which certainly, like, that takes some some guts to say that. Right.
1: Because you want to back up your guys. You want to back up your fellow countrymen, your fellow servicemen. But for him to actually be like, no, he's stupid. Don't get into a war over this because that shouldn't have happened that way. That's huge. And like you said, the implications are fast, especially with butterfly effect. Germany's borders aren't necessarily reduced to the point they are. Yeah. Post-World War I, Treaty of Versailles, maybe it's a lot different.
0: I think Germany, Germany wins the war if u s doesn't go well, I don't involved. know if they win the war, but it's certainly different when I have a cold war, you don't know what happens after that, right?
1: yeah, this small engagement, this small conflict, not even really a war, has huge implications for the twentieth century that you know we're we're still feeling today, so yeah, it's very interesting to think about. It's the only interesting thing about this story that's it, the implications. <laughs> In January of 1917, having won re-election and wanting to avoid a costly war on a southern border, President Woodrow Wilson ordered the U.S. Army to slowly and quietly withdraw from Mexico. The Germans were frustrated with the outcome, and thus they sent a telegram, later known as the Zimmermann Telegram, to Mexico, saying that if the U.S. joined the war on the Entente side against Germany, They'd help Mexico get all of its old territory back if they attacked the United States. But President Carranza, well, he knew he was unlikely to win a long war with the United States. He was making bank-selling oil to England, and he had gotten everything he wanted by proving he could stand up to the U.S. So, naturally, he told the crowds to get fucked. As for Pancho Villa, he returned to full health and throughout 1917, resumed his attacks on Carranza's federales. He had some minor successes, but then suffered a major defeat that left him once more with just a few hundred followers. In June, he attacked the city of Juarez and held it for a few hours before a combined counterattack of federal soldiers and U.S. artillery fired from El Paso drove him out. He would go into hiding for a few years while Carranza and Álvaro Obregón fought against each other in yet another war over the presidency. Thea agreed not to intervene and was given a nice ranch, an annual salary, and a small army of 50 bodyguards. Man, it's a fucking dream right there. Right? Do that in a heartbeat. You end up, you know, it it didn't work. hmm But your political opponents, like, hey, man, let's just call it quits. Live the good life. Here's a fucking bunch of shit.
0: Unlimited Donuts. Right? <laughs> you know, like, oh, what more could you ask for? I know, you get your retired in early age, just hanging out, you know? Mm-hmm. Watch all the TV you missed out on while you were trying to, like, overthrow the government. You're like, oh, shit, I never saw Mad Men. Oh, I heard that was really good. I'm going to sit down and watch Mad Men. Well, that's a little anachronistic,
1: Chris. This is 1923. He oh, had a
0: lot of episodes of I Love Lucy to catch up on. <laughs> Okay? Picture this fat-ass Pancho Villa eating you know, Bon Bon's on the couch. She's like, she's never going to be able to st- keep a job in this factory. She's too slow. Look at her. <laughs> the chocolates are coming too fast. She can't get them in the box. She's eating them. Oh, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know? Then Al Bundy walks through the front door from his hard job at the shoe store, and he sits on the couch next to old poncho, <laughs> which for some it's not going to rain in the house. Why is he wearing a poncho? Right. But he sits next to him. Just puts the puts the old hand in the pants, mm-hmm. and starts just complaining for the entire rest <laughs> of Poncho's life. It's enough to make anybody quit. The end. <laughs> oh, what's that you say? There's actual history on this podcast. Oh no, I like huh.
0: your I liked your ending better. Let's just leave it with that. Let's just treat it like a Michael Bay movie. Forget the real things that happen, and just you know have a good, happy ending with lots of explosions. Let's do that. All right, well, I'm just going to say this, but we'll
1: cut it out of the final episode. Okay, cool, 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 cool. You good with that? Yeah, I'm good, yeah. Awesome. Everything was going great until 1923, when Villa mentioned he might run against Obregón for president. On July 20th of that year, Villa was assassinated, most likely under the orders from Obregón, who would be assassinated himself in 1928 by a certain Colonel... Mustard in the library. <laughs> clue joke, bitches! Ah, <laughs> uh, you motherfuckers didn't think you'd get a clue joke. You probably thought it in the first half. Like, oh, it's coming. For some weird reason, you thought you'd get a clue joke, and you did not.
0: <laughs> Once you had Mrs. Peacock on your fucking bingo cards, you're ready. You're ready, hit it with that ink dot, and you're like, oh, it didn't happen. I guess there's no clue joke this episode, but boom! Stupid boom!
1: fucking listener. <laughs> Classic listener. <laughs> Dumber than a bowl of mice. That's why they're here. Oh, yeah, that's true. In the end, the punitive expedition is a small note in American history that gets lost in the timeline between the Civil War and World War I. The Americans declared it a success because they effectively wiped out Pancho Villa's forces, and he never attacked Americans after the raid on Columbus, New Mexico. In reality, the biggest success of the war was it provided experience and training to 5,000 men who would go on to serve under General John Pershing in France during World War I, which would in turn lead to the defeat of Germany, the Treaty of Versailles, and the... <coughs> rise of Hitler. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Still, cool story though, right?
0: And of story. Woo! We did it. We told the story of the punitive expedition. Very cool story. Uh, A lot of implications in history you guys might not have been aware of. But, uh, you know what? For now, we have a few more things to tell you. A few things new listeners, old listeners, sexy listeners, and female listeners. We call these the Fast Facts. Fast Fact Number 1 In 1909, the U.S. Bureau of Animal Industry proposed construction of a thousand-mile barbed wire fence along the U.S. border. Just like future border barrier ideas, it wasn't clear who would actually pay for the fence, and it never really came to fruition. Fast Fact
1: Number 2 Pancho Villa was initially such a celebrity in America that during the early days of his fights against President Huerta's forces, a film crew followed him around capturing battle footage. Villa was hot pissed when he found out that most of the footage was unusable, and they had to reenact it for the camera and use a professional actor to play Villa. The result was a silent film, The Life
0: of Hanelal Villa, which has since been lost to history. Fast Fact Number 3 Since he was unable to catch up to Villa, Pershing hired two Japanese spies to infiltrate Villa's camp and poison him. They did, and they were able to give Villa poisoned coffee before fleeing, but Villa only drank a sip before giving it to one of his officers, who drank the rest and died like a chump. Fast
1: Fact Number 4 The last half of 1916 was dedicated to diplomatic talks and the punitive expedition was stationary in northern Mexico. This gave Pershing the opportunity to drill and train his woefully underdisciplined army. But it wasn't all work. He also ordered the construction of baseball and football fields and reserved another area of his camp for prostitutes that were frequently examined by army
0: doctors and paid by the U.S. government for their services. Alright, well we thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned a lot. Even if you didn't hope you like were laughing or something, I don't care what you did, you're at the end. The show's over. Maybe now you can go check out hunterproofhistory.com, see some bios on us, get a link to our patreon for where, for just three dollars a month, you get access to old episodes, bonus content, early access to new episodes, just a lot of great shit. You can also check us out on social media at one zero zero Proof History. We'd also appreciate it if you would check out hunterproofhistorycom slash audible where you can get a 30 day trial for audible.com get some uh, audio books like in this one you can go listen to this book and you can learn a lot more about what happened along the border a lot of violence we had to leave out because it didn't really pertain to the story but very cool stuff um, even if you don't, maybe check out another book I don't know, do what you want to do just go sign up for it help us out, we need the help we're desperate here I'm dying. I'm dying, listener. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Buyers
1: Club is no longer financing my treatments.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they haven't since the 80s. Jared Leto has moved on with his life. He's trying to be the Joker and it's not working out. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, he wrote a book and put all his weight back on. He's
1: fake. I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm fucking gaunt.
0: With my AIDS. But you have a glorious mustache. And for your mustache, for Wolf Dick, our esteemed producer, for Dan Dan the Interman, Hambone the Puppet, who travels through space and time, I am your sexy co-host, Christopher, and we all ask you, Gregory, the host, main host, only host, what else?
1: The only advice that I have for the listener, for you, Chris, for Hambone, and whatever, the rest of them, Mm-hmm. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Mm. Um, You know, it's something that was instilled in me as a kid. Mm -hmm. Just think about it. Think of the analogy. Just stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to.
0: (laughs) And goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Testing all the recordings. This is also a test recording. My butt and my balls and my body and soul. You can
1: never match my creative output, Chris.
0: (laughs) Ah! (laughs) It's a stupid name. Venus Venus Venus, Venus, Tiano. Venus Tiano. (laughs) Chalupa Carranza. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're going to call him because I'm stupid. Mexican (laughs) Pizza Carranza. I was making, I was gonna make a Mexican pizza joke later. You fuck calm down. Oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I don't know where it is, but <laughs> it's I back banned on it. It's back.
1: Is it? Yeah. Already. <laughs>